I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our morning Bible study um, with the Colanders, Pastor Colander and Laura Colander here. We are reading through one chapter of the Bible at a time. Today we are on Acts, Acts chapter 11. Let's get started. Okay. The title of this section says Peter explains his actions. That's what my Bible says. Did you want to say what yours says? In my Greek Bible, they have English titles for sections, and it's Peter's report to the church at Jerusalem, which is pretty close. If you're reporting something, you're explaining actions a lot of times. Yeah, it's a little more descriptive because it's going to tell you what what he's going to do. Yesterday we read Peter is visiting some Gentiles, and the last thing we read was they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. In the next section, Peter explains his actions. So now we know he's not explaining his actions more thoroughly to the people he's staying with, but he's going to Jerusalem to explain his actions. Right. There was a... So that heading is kind of telling us what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Let's but start But there was reading. a council of people there because the disciples hey, were still hey, there. spoiler alert. Well, okay, Let's see fine. what the Bible says. <laughs> okay. Quit spoiling it, Greek Bible. All right. Chapter 11. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem and circumcised, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked at it and saw four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me, er, sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered a man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, as he had come upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. So he goes to Jerusalem to explain his actions, just like you foretold. I did, <laughs> because I've read this before. But the, <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> I, I didn't mean to... Okay. Anyway, don't take those actions in a negative light. But those words... No, right. he, he went and... It's, it's an example of many things in the Bible that are important. God says more than once. Just like as a parent, if you want your children to remember something, you have to tell them it more than once. It'd be great if you could just say one thing and they would act that way but the the fact that God is I guess removing some of these barriers that used to stand in between the Jews and the Gentiles is very cultural shifting for the church so you might say well why do you repeat this whole thing why don't you just say and Peter told them everything that happened and people had no objections and save 17 verses but it just to the mind of the person this would signify that this is something that's important and you have to remember that many of these books they weren't going to be written down for a long time where everyone would have a copy so -hmm. they would be read and if you're hearing this it really cements it back into your mind yeah with this repetition Yeah, the verse, so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? You know, he he quotes Jesus, and then he says that, which I think is really, you know, it's a good precedent for us, is, you know, whenever there's disagreements or confusion about someone's actions and we look at we look to the Bible and then we um, defer to God, you know, rather than they could have been arguing about their precedents and we have never gone into this these sort of houses like we're gonna you know preach the word but we don't stay with people or you know whatever arguments they would have been having, and he just kind of cuts that all short by saying, "This is what God said," and. I could see that the Holy Spirit came on them. So if God loves them, how can we argue with God, you know? Yeah. It's it's that faith of this didn't seem like the way I would do things, but it it's inclusive of love to everyone, so What do you mean you wouldn't you wouldn't do things that way? I would, but they it wasn't a natural thing for them to completely oh, change their you're culture. Saying the people in Jerusalem felt that way. Correct. Oh, okay. But modern in modern times, many people will say things like, "Why does God do these things this way? Why does God say this? Why does God say that?" And to point them to a verse like this and just say, "God knows best. Just trust in Him and yeah. don't oppose Him." Yeah. So. The Great Commission, Jesus says, go everywhere, right? Go make disciples of all nations. Yeah. So it's kind of odd that they still are like, huh, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Like they're just kind of getting it now. You know? Like wouldn't that... From that time when Jesus said those things, go and make disciples of all nations, wouldn't they have known they were supposed to be going um, to the Gentiles? 
And it seems here in verse uh, 18 when they said, Oh, so God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And these visions about the, you know, clean and unclean, you know. that That is about the food. Sure. But it's also about saying, don't judge these other peoples, right? Yeah, but there would be people from different places that still believed. Mm-hmm. I do think they were still viewing themselves as kind of first-class citizens of the gifts that God has given. Prophecy, true prophecy, is only to Jewish people. And the revelation that God has given to us is only to Jewish people. And now they see that Cornelius had this vision, you know, go find Peter, and the men found him, and the the gifts of the Spirit, there is not one chosen nation anymore. Mm-hmm. It's God's entire church as a whole. Okay. All right, well, let's keep reading. I'm going to think about that a little more. The Church in Antioch, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to God. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples each, according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. They did this, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. End of chapter, chapter 11. Mm-hmm. So they they hear that there are people believing, and they go up there to make sure that their doctrine and the things that they're teaching are correct. When that happens, Barnabas is this great encourager. He is the one that brought Paul to the disciples when they were in Jerusalem and vouched for him. And then he's the one that goes up to Antioch, which is near Tarsus. So Antioch is still on the uh, east coast of the Mediterranean Sea, be north of Tyre and Sidon. But what gets confusing as we go on in Acts, there is another Antioch, which is near modern-day Turkey. It's called Pisidian Antioch, and that's where 
Uh, it's basically just to the north of Crete. So you can pull out a that's map and the look. the Antioch that most people think of. Well, at least that's the one I think of. I don't know. The why. Pisidian one? Yeah. Well, that's the one where they... It's basically a port city. Yeah. So... Well, if when you're familiar when they go with to, history and its location, I think, isn't it the larger one? Isn't it the more... Well, I don't know about that, but that would be directly across the Adriatic Sea from Greece. Mm-hmm. And so that was the port city that they landed in the first missionary journey when they go to uh, Lystra and Derby, mm-hmm. And, but... There's another Antioch, which is near Tarsus, uh, so still on that coast. And that's where they are, and, you know, they're called Christians, and you get this gathering of people together that are learning and growing and excited about the faith. It's blossoming, and they're trying to figure everything out. It's a lot of changes from a church tradition that's been, I don't want to call it stagnant, but, you know, had one way of doing things for the last thousand years with the type, from the time that the temple had been built. I mean, they come back from Babylon, the first thing they do, we've got to build the temple and have worship in the same way, and we are these people, and it's, I mean... I don't know, it's... I think what are it's you impo- getting at with this? <laughs> I, well, I just think it's important to think about a thousand-year period of tradition yeah. of doing things one way and how big of a deal it would have been for them to go into a house where you have a thousand years of these... Or even, I mean, you go back to Sinai, which would be 1,500 years. 1,500 years of tradition. When we think of traditions in the church sometimes... We think of maybe music, and music is... But don't you think that's kind of like maybe why most of the New Testament is all these letters to different cities that aren't in Jerusalem? You know, there's not, you know, 12 books about how we're trying to argue with the Jews and the Pharisees. When they go... I think that'd be Hebrews. Well, it's one book. One book, yeah. Not all of them. Right. You know, because they... Yeah, it's a, it's been a long, long-standing religion, obviously, since the beginning of time and tradition, but the people they're talking to in Antioch and Crete and all these places, they could have been just a generation removed, you know, or two, maybe just... People had moved there and believe, you know, believe the Jewish tradition, but they're not as maybe staunch as some of the people in Israel. And I mean, it's kind of the same, I would say the same way today, but like, look where Christianity is popular in the world. You know, there are a lot of Christians in, you know, Israel, but we don't like go set up missions there, you know, to... Mm-mm try to convert all these people like from Judaism it's a it is long standing and the people who want to believe those rumors about oh Jesus didn't really rise from the dead 
and Jesus was a troublemaker and this, you know, those continued to be part of their, what they taught and believed, and then they're still believing what they believe, you know? And they don't think Jesus is God, but... I do not know how many Christians are in Israel. Don't you think it's a, a significant amount? I would... I, yeah, I would guess so. Yeah. I mean, I but I know that they at least rely on it for tourism. <laughs> you know, there's... With well, all of the things that go through, yeah. and there's there's many people there. And, and there's I don't know the percentages either, but I, I would assume there's a good portion. But I, I know it's not like... You know, our goal to convert the entire country. Like, we got to tell everybody about this. You know, they know. <laughs> They've heard it. <laughs> They're surrounded by it. And, uh, you know, sometimes the only thing you can do is go out where people aren't as uh, stuck in their stuck in their religion. And they're ready. They're more open and willing. And that's where the Gentile people were. At this yeah. time. Yeah. And some of the missions that our church has done, the first time that we went into Africa was 1949. And I think the church over there now is between three and 400,000 people. It's just, it just has exploded. And there, it's, that's something that's with our church body. But there are many just... There's almost a whole reformation going on in Africa because the word of God is being brought to them in so many different ways. And uh, the same is true in um, many Asian countries that are being exposed to Christianity that's mm -hmm. been lost for generations. It's an explosion that the Holy Spirit gets a, just a little crack, you know, to go through and is able to change people's heart and soul and in mass so yeah well i think that's about it's about it well about it for today we're gonna we'll come back to talking about this a little bit eventually about what what are you peter about? peter and the apostle paul oh, as they talk about these things and what they're doing so yeah I'm just paging ahead later. looking at some of my maps in my book. Um, trying to think of why I yeah, place Antioch right yeah, right there in the not a port city, more of a central in Turkey. Well where they landed, the city in Antioch is on the coast here. This Antioch is the one I was thinking of. The one on the way to Ephesus. This is the one what am by I? Tarsus. Oh, I'm thinking of... You're right. Antioch, Lystra, Derby. We're going to need to look at our yeah, we'll before pull it the up. next one. I know it was on anyway, the first journey in a little bit. We will uh, start with the next chapter, chapter 12. And next time, we'll talk to you later. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor Randall, wake up.